Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 420 on Tuesday, the 17th of August, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be finding out what makes a sale a sale. We wonder how much longer new car silly season can continue. And we find out how much we have wasted our time during lockdowns. But first, we have a bit of follow-up. Now, I made a wild statement last week that I would ask a question and find out something for a change. Uh, and like I did. proper journalism rather than just regurgitating other people's stories as we normally do. Yes, I know. This, this, it was a shock to the system. So I said that I would try and find out if a person or company just re-signed up or signed a new lease on a vehicle whether that would constitute a used car sale or not, because that may be one of the reasons why the used car sale figures were so high recently. Mm. So I did ask the question, and SMMT came back to me. And they, they said, said, Hi, Andrew. No. If the registered keeper doesn't change, it wouldn't count as a new sale. So... Do, on the do one they hand, actually, sound like a radio. No, like a radio I, DJ? no, I've just made up their voice. Good, I've just made up their voice off Twitter. So, on the one hand, brilliant, we now know. On the other hand, that rather shoots down my theory, hmm. which is very disappointing because I like to be right and I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I so, I, that, I am genuinely then really, really impressed with the used car sale figures. Yes. I don't know if you should call it a used car sale or a used car exchange. We're not allowed to use sale for registration. But they say sale. It's always sale for that. Because it's, yeah, because you're not. Sorry, I was being flippant and silly, by the way. We we can just move on. Okay. Do you want to take us to the new news? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, (laughs) yes. New news was one of me. And and obviously, this this is high in your mind at the minute. And that is a a new Cornwall-based electric vehicle startup called What Electric Vehicle Company. Uh, what? And that's W-A-T-T, not W-H-A-T. And what What they are going to... Oh, gee. <laughs> and they are going to... That was completely unintentional. Uh, they are going to build uh, commercial EVs, for want of a better term. Uh, they plan to build up to about 5,000 uh, electric commercial vehicles uh, a year from 2023. Now, whilst the company itself is headquartered in St. Colum Major, I have no idea where that is. It's, I, I get nosebleeds when I go that far south. Uh, then they're actually <laughs> going to build stuff in the Midlands. Uh, well, the yeah, facility. first of all, they have to build a facility. Yes. Then they will build the actual vehicles. This is an interesting announcement mm-hmm. uh, because for a couple of things. One, it's another UK-based company that is getting into the sector because they're talking a lot about last mile stuff as well and but the other thing is that they're really hyping up their platform well uh, called the the passenger and commercial ev skateboard yes you've kind of beat me to it because what i was going to explain is the the platform it's a bit like a, a there are only renderings at the moment so based on the renderings the idea is is kind of similar to the dhl street scooter hmm that sort of last mile small vehicle small cargo vehicle it's a bit like that it's going to be a, a sort of uk equivalent of that the styling has quite a lot in common with for example the 
some of the the aspects of the arrival vans and there's sort of led drls which are an outline of a light or a shape and stuff as opposed to in else and lots of glass in the cab because it's going to be going to be city based so they're going to be a small vehicle type small series pardon me uh type approved for the whole of europe uh, as part of this so it's not going to be a selling in bajillions it's going to be it's going to be obviously selling into fleets and as they five thousand a year but it's still very early days yeah that that's the thing that gets me about this story quite a bit is the time scales uh, we're talking 2022 early well the end of the first quarter 2022 before the initial prototype will be revealed then it's the third quarter of 2023 that they'll be starting to produce their vehicles in this new place in the Midlands. So there's a lot of ifs and buts, I feel, in between now and then. The other thing they're saying is they're going to do both self-branded models and and also build on behalf of third parties as well. So you might find a Tesco-branded one, to take a hypothetical example, mm. which I've just made up. So there might be a, you know, if Tesco wanted their own sort of visual of, of last mile delivery vehicle, they, they could do that kind of thing. Uh, they also, by the way, they are already developing uh, a sports car mm-hmm. uh, inspired by the Porsche 356, capable of 230 miles range, not 62 times, just over five seconds. And it costs about £81,250. So that's not different from a small... Yes. <laughs> well, good luck to them, though. I, I, I hope... I, I'm really, yes. Because yes. Th- this is quite aspirational, a lot of these things, as we've learnt in the last nearly six years of doing this podcast yeah, I, but i'm hopeful that they obviously hopeful because it's in in britain and that this will be great for us that they actually succeed and mm-hmm. do produce things when they say they will yeah the, there is a market if you get the right you give your supply to the right people um I, I think there'll be a market for it this is this sounds sensible i think some of the more boutique equivalents um, I, I just don't quite get the business case, but there we go. Yeah, yeah. They are at least talking about decent volumes. Realistic volumes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm going to take us to the US now. And <laughs> uh, the US National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or NHTSA, is investigating 11 crashes or traffic incidents actually if we remember the correct way to term these things traffic incidents that involve tesla vehicles and emergency service vehicles were in the vicinity thereof this is a very specific this needs to be remembered because this has been splashed well, well, this about is the a whole lot. point this is the whole point we're mentioning it is to make it clear how specific this is yeah it is only these 11 vehicle incident, traffic incidents, there are something like 25 that have been investigated by the um, whatever the other. N- oh. So it's the NTSB, the National Transport oh, yeah, Safety Board. Now, the, the reason for the, for the difference, the reason why this is a big deal is that the NHTSA have not, investigated any of this stuff around tesla the the difference between the two is nhtsa is responsible for vehicle safety Mm. and the safety of physical vehicles the ntsb is responsible for 
the safety of, in this case, a roadway in general. So if some, uh, and sort of an accident investigation and that kind of thing. So if something, but all they can do is they can, they can make recommendations. So NTSB can determine what happened in an accident and then they can only make a recommendation to the NHTSA about what that maybe they want to look into an aspect of of a vehicle so they have very much publicly welcomed this well they have very publicly screamed at nhtsa to do something for the last three years well yeah yeah they have i I was i was kind of yeah nhtsa by the way got a new interim chief investigator i think that's right i think i've got the term right chief investigator Uh, they were just appointed on friday uh, this investigation was announced uh, on Monday. Mm. Yes. Goodness. Some people are saying that the two may be connected and that this, you know, that, that the two may be connected. Yeah. To get that's more... political appointment, by the way. Yeah. To, to get more of uh, the background to this, I will link to a thread from Ed Niedermeyer, who uh, people on the show will know and anyone who's listened to Rearview will know. It, because he gives a he gives a really good explanation of this, uh, of what the differences between the two and why they're involved, etc. Mm-hmm. Also, there will be a link to the autocar article, which goes on to further explain about what's happened and what they're looking into and why. Because these are Tesla vehicles that were reported to be using autopilot at the time of the incident. That's the investigation. Yes, autopilot or its predecessor. Yeah. Right. right. Let's move on to. <laughs> some happier news well yes it's well it's a slightly strange one this to be perfectly honest so uh nat west the the bank wishes to install 600 ev chargers by 2023 and they're going to be spread right across uh, all their uk locations they are primarily as part of a move to shift the bank's fleet of vehicles from internal combustion to electric. So obviously they need charging points. Supposedly these will also be available to bank customers too. Now that gives me a small head scratch there when I was trying to think of just how convenient these will be for customers. Because here in the UK, banks tend to be in the middle of towns and they don't tend to have their own car parks. So I rather suspect that these will actually be at larger out-of-town office facilities and not necessarily down the side of your branch. I was particularly surprised by this because banks in the UK seem to be doing everything in their power to make going to a branch difficult or unpleasant. Uh, right? Yes. Which I, well, I, I swear it, needs some kind of investigation. So, but it, you, so you, yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. These I are going what, to be yeah. at branches. I think these are going to be at Big NatWest and RBS offices. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I'm. Uh, I agree with you completely on that. For example, our town has got a car park, but to get into the car park that some customers do use, you have to drive a portion of the pedestrian zone. <laughs> Which is which is still allowed because it's it's an old access and all the rest of it. But there's only like four parking spaces in there anyway. It's only the fact that that bank has been there so long and already had a parking yeah, thing. I, I, that I think that this, this these will mostly be. I mean, they might well be available. Don't get me wrong, but I think these will mostly be on industrial office parks. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Sorry, that's me being terribly cynical about it. I'm so sorry. 
but but question on this because they are being so vocal in what they're trying to do and they also acknowledge that most of it is for their own carbon footprint are companies being pushed have i missed an announcement well, where companies are being pushed on carbon footprints that they will get taxed or looked at or well, something or is this a we want to look good i mm. Okay, so I haven't really heard much about the, the tax on carbon footprint at the minute. So there might be, but there might not be. It'll be coming. Other thing I'm thinking is, of course, but, but what their, their employees are doing, those who have company cars, will be being pushed towards, towards, uh, towards yeah, yeah. choosing an EV or a plug-in hybrid vehicle. I know of one uh, heavy plant distributor where people have been told you are only allowed this uh, make and model of electric car as your company car. That's what our fleet is going to be. I hope it's a good one. It's, sorry, it's only one make and model of electric car that they've, they've been told that they can, they can have, which is kind of funny, really, given that these people go to quite, they go to quite remote places. So uh, oh, okay. there is a, a little bit of, I believe, and, and that's secondhand that there is a little bit of chuntering about this. Not because bit of tension between reality car, and... <laughs> but there's a bit of a tension between reality. So anyway, they don't have the luxury of a car park where they can go and just plug in and charge. So I think you might find that that would be a popular reason to have them in, in office car parks is that if more people have EV company cars, then they're going to kind of want to be able to charge them uh, when they're at work. Similarly, at the same time, it doesn't, by the way, it says the bank wants to convert its fleet to 300 electric vehicles. It doesn't actually say whether those are going to be vans or cars. It's just a fleet. Yeah. Uh, in this yeah. story, by the way, from uh, Zapmap, who knows, really, it could be uh, directors moving to electric cars or something like that, and people who are high enough up the tree to get a, to get a, a, a company car. And vocal enough to say, hang on, my tax is being impinged if you don't do this. Yes. Yes, <laughs> and whose voices will be listened to at that point <laughs> i'm saying nothing at this point yes right i'm going to continue on the ev theme but i'm going to take us to audi and they have a one card system or uh yeah service actually hmm. that you pay a fee per month and you are able to use this card to pay at a certain number of ev charging points well they've just increased their uh companies they're partnering with this and they now cover over seventeen and a half thousand charging points i love a, a certain number it's actually really quite a lot of charging points. well originally it wasn't no but it wasn't no. with this announcement it really is because they're almost 75 percent of the public charging network mm -hmm. which is excellent to see now the bit that really caught my eye uh, in a similar way to the bmw story last week mm -hmm. you can have two Two tariffs. You can be city or transit. Now, if you're a city tariff, that's you're primarily an urban uh, area that you're traveling short distances and you've probably got the option to charge from home. Now, that will cost £4.91 per month. I don't know how they've come up with that. With standardized uh, charging rates of 29p per kilowatt per hour and then 39p per kilowatt for fast charging faster charging at the 350 kilowatt ionities are 70p per kilowatt now if you do transit i.e someone who does quite a few miles and needs faster charging times that's 16 pound 81 per month on a 12-month contract 
mm-hmm. but the the standardized charging rates mirror the city until you get to the ionity rate where that drops down to 28p per kilowatt yeah i think it's really quite a clever little piece of i think it's i think it's i think it's a very clever service i think they must have put an awful lot of legwork in to make it work with so many services yeah because that's what over 20 different uk or uk charging operators are included in this and i think that it's quite clever because it's really near nothing um if you're you're going to use it in in the round cities most of the time but if you are someone who munches up some miles uh, and you've got a car which can charge at whatever over 50 kilowatt hours kilowatts pardon me then actually you're going to make quite a lot of saving by paying you 16 pounds 81 you just got to do a little bit of the maths. Yeah, I would be interested to see how it does match up against the fact that now more and more of these charging points will use contactless anyway. Oh, for Ionity, that's a fantastic saving. It's a, it's over 70p. It's quite expensive. Ionity is expensive. Okay. From, from memory, there's a bit of a saving. And I say from memory, there's a bit of a saving if you've got the city. And if you've got transit, then that's a heck of a saving. So, yeah, and it stops the Ionity chargers taking a pre-auth of quite a significant amount of money. Oh, yes, they're the ones who do that, don't they? I hope they're stopping. No, they've said they're going to stop that, haven't they? They've said they're going to stop it, but it does take yeah, a while they still, to, still to, to, to stop big mountains moving around or whatever. It doesn't, um, but they say it does. Well, we all know it's very quick on a computer big, <laughs> if they chose to. But it's... it's yeah, it's getting all the 17 people in between to choose to is the problem. Yeah. Uh, so, but I really like the idea of a is, one card. I really I love like the that idea, idea of one card. I think that's really, really good. The other thing is you can use it uh, in Europe as well with no additional costs. Yeah, so, so it's, it's the roaming. same cost wherever you're going. <laughs> what was that? It's got, roaming <laughs> it's got roaming in it. <laughs> it does. It does not have additional roaming fees. I think it's really, really clever. I think it's, it sounds like a fantastic service. If you're going to build brand loyalty, that's a great way to do it. It's the next best thing to superchargers, and it's better than that, yeah. actually. Yeah, because you can use anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's I like that a lot. It's good strong. thinking. Huge, yep. huge, you know, it's a it's a major, major offering. Anyway, we're waffling a lot. From EVs then to the hydrogen economy. Big news that goes <laughs> beyond, I just hate, sorry, sorry. It, it has been one of those days today, everyone. I'm so very sorry. So he's uh, only reading the headline. Don't worry, it's it's not it's, made. Well, that I'm up. trying not to talk about sparking the hydrogen economy because that's what the, all the headlines are. And this one, Joe Holding in Autocar, thank you very much uh, for bad puns. Are us? UK government has made a big statement. Has made a number of large statements uh, about replacing fossil fuels with hydrogen here in the UK. Uh, obviously, the first thing they have to do is work is is be able to make significant amounts of. Uh, sufficient amounts of hydrogen in a clean manner uh, well there has been a lot of talk about that recently yes there has there's been lots of it where it's been acknowledged that it's very difficult to make green hydrogen as it's called Mm. and that's going to take a lot of time before we get onto a parity of the hydrogen being or zero carbon footprint etc so for now any hydrogen we're talking about generally 
although there are some exceptions, but generally is not green hydrogen. Well, I must assume that the uh, the volume required that, that there isn't enough to there isn't enough green hydrogen to go around. Uh, anyway, lots of this covers lots of the economy from home heating to just about everything, but particular. But it, what it doesn't really cover is cars, despite the fact that you know all the motoring publications have been covering it when there's lovely pictures of Mirais and Nexos and vans at hydrogen stations and stuff, that in actual fact, there's not a huge amount about cars. Mm. Where it's starting to come into, of course, is uh, HGVs, is off-road vehicles, which I imagine includes uh, tractors and some of the stuff that JCB's been showing off recently with Mm -hmm. the hydrogen combustion engines in excavators and these kind of things. So lots of chat about hydrogen at the minute it's not really about cars generally but hgvs are the area uh, hgvs and sort of coaches are really the kind of areas where, where it starts to come in where the sheer volume and, and as a result mass of batteries required to do the kind of the kind of mileages that hgvs do towing the kind of loads that they tow it's just too high so so hydrogen is a much better bet for that kind of thing be it fuel cell or internal combustion engine yeah there's going to be extra links to this story that's from autocar there's going to be an opinion piece from jesse cross picking out and sort of basically looking at the proposals with a slightly raised eyebrow um, Mm -hmm. because it does ask quite a few questions or it, it prompts more questions than it's really answering at the moment so he sort of highlights some of those points. So that will be linked in the show notes. But Excellent uh, technical journalist. Yes. Yeah, very good. D- d- really does know his stuff. But also there is a thread that I saw retweeted by um, some people that I respect on Twitter from a chap called Jan Rosenau, who is a European director of the RAP, which is a, a non-partisan, non-governmental organization dedicated to acceleration the transition to clean, reliable and efficient energy future, as well as a bunch of other um, advisory boards he's on and things like that. And he goes through it as well through it in this thread. And it's interesting what he says. I don't agree with everything, particularly I disagree with him where he says that cars are, are a waste of time in hydrogen. Um, but he does point out that the government doesn't mention vehicles or cars at all. Yeah. And he's he goes on to suggest that the way that battery technology is progressing, and this, again, I don't fully agree with him, means that lorries and heavy goods vehicles will be electric as well rather than hydrogen. I don't necessarily agree with that, and that's why I made a point of highlighting HGVs whenever I was talking about hydrogen just a second ago. But I think it's it's a good counter because some of the other stuff he says in there is very sensible and is right. You know, as ever, your mileage may vary how much you agree on the links that we put in. I read a lot of it. I thought it was really, really interesting, and it actually start did start to make me uh, ponder my position on 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 that particular point about HGVs. Just given the rest of it, it was like, mm, okay, yeah. But but I, yeah, I still think uh, that for the for the time being, I think there's still space for hydrogen before electric um, before battery technology reaches that level. I think it's yeah. I I think it's uh, it's that whole if the, any infrastructure can be installed then that sort of counters that. Mm. But equally, yes, there is the environmental cost of creating the hydrogen in the first place. Yeah, totally. So, totally. Yeah. Oh, 
No, there's no simple answer to any of this. Is there? there is. It can be done in 240 characters, Alan. Have you not been on Twitter? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I have quite a lot of it blocked. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, that's the end of the first part. <laughs> it is. It is. Yep, it's Guilt Minute, the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. The different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. If you don't have any spare cash, we completely understand, you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you should do is recommend us to your friends and colleagues. Yes, thank you. Right, WRC news. Hmm. And this is the Ypres rally. Is that Ypres, if I pronounce that properly? Ypres. Ypres, sorry. See, this problem that happens that <laughs> I barely can speak English and <laughs> we go across the world. And that's why I've got Alan with me because he can point out where I've gone terribly wrong. So the Ypres rally. <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually really chuffed about this because Nouvelle has finally won a rally this year. He's been third on so many occasions and on his home soil, which is even sweeter for him, he's, he's managed to win it with Craig Breen bringing in the second Hyundai in second. So, you know, finally a decent rally for Hyundai because they've had some shockers. They have recently. had a grim time. Recently. They have. But then we get to the usually up the front Toyotas. Um, this time it was uh, Rovenpera who was third, with Evans fourth and Ogier fifth, uh, who suffered a puncture on Sunday morning. But Ogier still out front in the classifications. Evans lost ground because Ogier uh, got second on a power stage, whilst Evans was only fifth, and Nouveau is now level with Evans, 38 points behind Ogier. So, ooh, it's suddenly amazing, it's interesting though. again. It's amazing, <laughs> though, isn't it, that after 20 stages, right, there's only th those top five that you mentioned, there is less than a minute between those top five drivers. I know, amazing. And and top it was it's tarmac as well. Yeah, so, so whereas in the last few rallies we've been going, oh, the attrition, how hard it was on the cars this was down to okay the cars had to last because unfortunately Tanek seems to be cursed this season mm -hmm. it's it because he got a puncture and he was flying as well he got a puncture and then the jack he was using broke oh. so thankfully he didn't get hurt you know while he was trying to change that tire but you sort of go, what what else is there now? You know, is, is, am I going to get struck by lightning as I stand next to the car, angry with it, or what? <laughs> you mm. must, he must be. It must be so hard to pick yourself up when it seems like every little thing is going on because he has he has generally been beset. There was one that was his problem, but generally been beset by technical problems, yes, or the, or car failures. Okay, you know the rallies haven't helped that, but it has been. Bits have broken. Bits have broken, as yes, exactly, uh, causing causing whatever incident, as opposed to just driving into things. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, excellent news that it suddenly suddenly makes this all really quite um, tight again and quite interesting. Mm -hmm. And there is an opportunity 
for Hyundai if they can continue to have good rallies now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they'll obviously be working very hard to do that, won't they? Yes. Says yeah. man who wants Toyota to win, of course. I know, I know. But it would be interesting to make it a fight. It would, it would. It would just, rather than just, you know, parading across stuff. Yeah. Anyway, take us to some new, new car news, and let's start out with something a bit sensible for a check. Yeah, I wanted to cut the sensible one, but I was told I had to stay in. So uh, Mazda have unveiled the 2022 Mazda 2, all the twos in there. So obviously a new version of a B-segment hatchback. This is this is a facelift, uh, barely a facelift, because the, the car looks hardly any different from the already attractive uh, Mazda 2. Uh, mm-hmm. Really where the changes are to the engines this time are a couple of trim changes uh so they're going to upgrade the one and a half liter sky active g powertrains to supposedly improvements in drivability fuel efficiency of two emissions but you'd expect them to say that uh it will be available in 75 horsepower 90 horsepower and 115 horsepower uh versions the 90 and 115 horsepower manual versions will be mild hybrids you're also going to get two new exterior body colors, uh, wireless CarPlay connectivity, yay, across the whole model range, and a new Homura Special Edition. So mm. there we go. Some some minor changes to, to the Mazda 2. Well, to be fair on their CO2 emissions, it's lowering from 120 to 107. Yeah, it's fairly significant. That's, that's a pretty big chunk. And we have to remember, Mazda are sticking with the, we'll have a bigger engine, not a tiny three-pot and sticker yeah, massive are, turbo on it. Yes, these are still naturally aspirated. Mm. So uh, when it says improvements to drivability, that does make me chuckle a little bit compared to trying to find the 200 rev <laughs> wide <laughs> power band of some of some mild hybrids which is exactly the point where the turbo kicks in, but not too much. Mm. That Mazda Sky Active G engines are, are generally pretty tractable. And it's a really pretty little car. I mean, it's a, it I, 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 I cannot work out how or why Mazda don't sell more cars. Oh, I know. I know. The interior is so good, and they look very pretty, stroke attractive Well, They, do, they don't well. sell an ugly car in the UK at the minute. No. no. The, and, and, what's what's the one with the suicide doors? The C X thirty? It's the MX thirty. MX thirty. That's what? that's the the least well rounded hmm. and this is in inverted commas of the whole range. Do you want an unofficial well aesthetically? aesthetically do you want sorry, do you want yes. do you want an unofficial review of that by my little sister who tried one the other week? She oh, yeah. loved it. She loved the electricness of it. She liked the cabin. The only thing was that to get toddler in and out of seat in the back seat, she found the twin doors to be too awkward in tight car parks. She uh, loved everything about it, but that just was a bit of a blocker for her. Okay. I can understand that. I can understand that. She showed yeah. me all the pictures. She said the thing in her mind was, what would what would Alan take pictures of? it's <laughs> quite sad curry hooks yeah that's basically at that level so yes I, I got told all about it no well, this, i haven't heard a bad thing about it it's just for me visually that's the least well-rounded of them all but it's not bad looking you know no, i'm not saying exactly. it's bad looking I mean, it's it's, it's the, the least good looking mazda is still better than the <laughs> best looking of some other brands quite 
<laughs> yeah. Right, you've done sensible, so I we've think I sensible, need to so go. Silly season, get on with it. Yeah, silly season. The new Lamborghini Countach LPI 800-4. Hmm. Uh, I, this is a, not just a nod, this is a massive <laughs> hat tip to the uh, legendary Countach. Hat tip. It's singing and dancing its way down a cabaret stage, high kicking to the left and to the right. But step. I... I I would say with the exterior, if it didn't have Kuntash in quite a lot of places, would you say that that was one? It's a funny one, this, because it's as if... Do you know how, you know how when the, the first post-Izigonis Mini came out? Mm. It was... You looked at it and you went, well, it's not really a Mini, is it? It's much bigger. It's, uh, it's all these things. And then the more you looked at it, and then Frank Stevenson described the design journey by saying, well, actually, we sort of sketched out the iterations that were between them. Mm. And this is what we think it would have looked like had we had those three, four generations which have, which have been missed. And I think that this is the same. So there are lots of contact cues, but obviously there are constraints around the platform because it uses the, the Aventador? Aventador platform. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what so, it really reminds me of. Yeah. Well, the, I'm glad I know why now. <laughs> yes, well, that, that'll, be, that'll be it. So, you know, the, the hard points are kind of fixed. And once you've got a sort of wedge-shaped Lamborghini supercar it's, it, it, and you're trying to turn it into another wedge-shaped Lamborghini supercar, there are only a, num- a limited number of different wedge shapes you can have on the same platform. Mm. I think, so m- my opinion is I think it's really cool. I do actually like it. What I hate is the fact that they've decided to do it in pearl white as the press car and in all the press shots. Because I think that you lose in the photos, you actually lose a lot of a lot of the sort of cool details. It looks mm. so the best I've seen it looking is actually in the relatively recent Hoovy's Garage okay. uh, video. And there's a link. There may well be a link in the show notes. There's definitely no, there's a link, a link in, in the show notes. Now I know which, why. <laughs> which starts at the appropriate point in the video. There's lots before. If you want to know all about the 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 50th anniversary and that's the reason by the way that this has come out now the 50th anniversary of the context launch and there was a drive in california and all sorts of stuff uh, so there's that before but i've cut to the bit at the quail where tyler hoover is, is trying to actually get a look at the car in between and around all the various people trying to get their instagram shots sprawled across it and actually, it looks so much better when you see it in 3D and when he's moving the camera and when he's... You don't even have to turn the, the volume on. But it looks much better when he's when he's walking around it and you can actually see some of, some of the detail. Well, I the like first it. two rendered images in the Autocar article are the best looking, as you say. I mean, I can't stand white anyway, but those the, the but lighting pearl, isn't great for the white. Pearl white the stage is really... They've got it. And how, white, do, how do you photograph that for crying out loud? Pearl white against a black background is not a good look for press photos. No. Uh, we've seen that with all sorts of stuff, like the Maserati Levante and all these things. It just looked like a blobby soap bar uh, in the original press photos. And then once you see it in the flesh, you go, oh, actually, that's quite nice if it's in a different color. And so I think the same. I think there's very much the same problem here. So outside, under sunlight, 
in a video. It seems to look really cool. It's just as well, they're going to make 112 examples and they're going to be priced from a mere 2 million euros or 1.7 million pounds before taxes. And they're practically all spoken for already. So if you do want one, run along quickly. Mm. I think it's a good looking car. I don't think they needed to use, they could have come up with a new name and I think people would have accepted it. No mm. problem. Well, yeah, Using Kuntash. Uh, okay, you're not going to sell it. You're not going to sell it for 2 million if you call it something else but uh, i'm left a little bit cold by it unlike i'm really excited about that hurricane yeah i i i hear you let yes i, I know i know exactly what you're saying and i agree i think, I think it's a very good looking car though i do I like think, the looks of it i'm not i'm not put off by that by the way it's uh v12 obviously 769 brake horsepower drives both axles through seven speed automatic gearbox it gains an extra 34 brake horsepower from a 48 volt electric motor in the gearbox making 803 brake horsepower uh, there's no exact torque figure known yet and in theory it should sprint from 0 to 62 in a whopping 2.8 seconds uh, that's two seconds quicker than any previous Kuntach ever managed uh, it'll hit 124 miles an hour or 200 kilometers an hour in 8.6 seconds. And top speed is said to be around 221 miles an hour. So hopefully that's nippy enough for most of you. Get me to Tesco and back anyway. Aye. Go on, you mentioned Mini before. I did, and I completely forgot that this was coming. Uh, the other interesting interesting new new car, but that's a concept really, is the Mini Strip, which mm. I, I quite like the name of. But is, that like a, is that like a small Las Vegas area? Or? Yes. But it, the funny thing is it's completely and totally the opposite. So uh, Mini got together with uh, fashion designer Paul Smith, and they, as I say, did completely the opposite of that. They paired it right back. I mean, right back to taking all the paint off the body shell. And they took a, a Mini Cooper SE, which is the electric Mini Cooper S, uh, took right back to the, the chassis and... And said, right, what do we actually need here? And what do we not need? And if we're putting stuff on, it should be about the most ecological or environmentally friendly way that we possibly could do this in terms of sustainability, repairability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's some really nice touches here. I mean, I'm, I, I like cladding. I like exposed through screw heads on stuff. So there's a start you know much of the bumper <laughs> areas are unpainted on this car the body shell is lacquered but not painted the wing mirrors are black the door handles are black it is proper stripper spec funnily enough by its name but then inside stuff like using cork for the dashboard mm. top and the door tops because it's got that absorbency and impact oh that it's was interesting renewable uh it's all these kind of things lots of parts 3d printed because in theory there's less waste just about everything recycled so knitted seats instead of leather or any or or, or, or anything else rope door handles yeah hemp hemp string door handles and things just really cool and really nice i don't know i just think it's a really nice counterpoint to stuff like the lamborghini there it's equally as cool if not cooler and there's thinking behind everything i don't like all of it i think the steering wheel's a bit ugly but there's just some really cool and clever thinking. And if even part of this gets through to, to, to a production situation, then that's, then that's great. I mean, stuff like door cards are made of 
are made of mesh. It'd be interesting on the sound volume inside that on a normal British road. Yeah, I, I think I think so. I I think there well there is sound deadening which looks like it's recycled. Um, I don't know if it's recycled plastic or recycled rubber or whatever. So the, the, there'll have to be something on it. But the inside also is that really cool Paul Smith purple. It's really nice. Yeah, of course Paul Smith special edition mini is one of the best looking ever. It's not as good as a mini thirty, obviously, but it's it's <laughs> Lovely. No, but uh, I, I like the fact that they've tried this, and I like the fact they've done it as a design exercise. And hope, and as you say, hopefully some of it does get translated into mm-hmm. their more regular models. It's cool to see design exercises where the aim is to be as minimal as possible, as opposed to who can throw the most stuff at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so I'm going to take it? us to the lunchtime read. And uh, this is an article about Richard Hill, who is the chief aerodynamicist at Lotus. This is a really entertaining and incredibly interesting uh, read as well. And congratulations to Tim Pitt for putting quite so many of his own tweets in his own article. I mean, well done on that one, Tim. But (laughs) But it's a great. But it is a really, really good article. It's the written equivalent of the sort of thing we would like to produce on some special editions, where you're talking to an interesting person, but you're also talking about the projects they're working on as well. Hmm. And whilst I've just poked fun at Tim Pitt there, uh, I'm actually quite jealous that we don't have an audio version of something similar, but that is definitely something to for us that we have been talking in the background of aiming for. But no, did, you're committing you, us to stuff. Well, it's when we when we get the time uh, and the confidence <laughs> to do that. Uh, but do go through and read because it is really interesting the the projects he's worked on and why and how and the thinking as well. That's what came across to me is the slightly thinking outside the box stuff that goes on. And it reminded me quite a bit of motorsport engineers. We go, well, the rule books say, well, exactly. The rule book says this, but it doesn't say we can't do this. So let's go. (laughs) And I I love that. And I love that incredibly. Uh, Yeah. Do do, you have to go and read it, please, people? Yeah. Very good. That one is, that's one of the, I don't want to put down any of the others, but that's one of the best ones we've had for a while, I think, of just yep. exactly what this slot's for. Right, take us to our list of the week. List of the week is from Autocar, and it's a reopening special, Great Car Museums to Visit. And their pick of the best. And there are a mere 74 slides here. So I think the space for, for one each. Well, more, museums get more than one. Andrew, do you have a particular favourite? Yes, Lakeland, the one that's up in... I've never been, but I've heard fantastic things about it. I've been there before. Um, we know someone who works on helping to detail the cars. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a, a brilliant place. It's it's not massive or anything, but what they've managed to cram in and how interesting it all is, is amazing. Um, and I, I love the time I spent there. I could have spent much longer, but the mm-hmm. crack windscreen family did not want to. <laughs> That Funnily enough, not fair. <laughs> I know, uh, but it really is a, a great uh, museum up in the Lake District. Uh, so if you're ever that way, 
do go in there and visit it. It, it is cracking. Um, have you got one out of all this list? I am going to pimp the Schlumpf Collection, which was the last, the last motor museum I went to before everything got shut. There is, of course, a special edition all about that. Uh, if you scroll back a little while, there's a special edition all, all, all about the, me and the, and the Schlumpf Collection and talking a little bit about it. So, so that's the one I would choose. That's one of the other ones I would choose. Uh, frankly, I've been clicking through and I haven't seen one. I mean, there's, there's quite a few I've been to. Some I really want to go to, um, particularly in the US. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this, you know, my choice, uh, our choices are not excluding any of the others. We'll happily go to all the others as well. That's oh, not yeah. a problem. Uh, we're not saying that, but it's just we, we have to pick something to tell you. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> picked, <exactly>. that's all. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if I can pick a second one, then I'll pick the Peterson. Go on, then. Okay. Peterson. I'd I'd really like to 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 go to the Peterson in Los Angeles. Yeah, they've got the prototypes of the convertible and the four door uh, is used with as well. The VX two and the VX four. Yeah, nerdtastic. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the end. Finally, Andrew. Uh, it does. So this one was down to you this week. Yeah. Um. I think we all need shaming in how we haven't used our lockdowns quite well enough, but by not both quite... on an individual and a global perspective, because there is a 15-year-old from Sri Lanka who spent his lockdown building a solar-powered tuk-tuk from spare parts and scrap metal. <laughs> It's, I'm just, I am in awe uh, and I feel highly embarrassed I haven't done anything. <laughs> yeah, the, speak for yourself. Uh, and the kid has, the kid has form though. He's, yes. he's, he's built other things for harvesting coconuts and, and, and trimming coconuts and uh, he's built so an electric power bike. bicycle. Yeah. Uh, and his next plan is an electric car. Yes. A powered car. So uh, he brilliant. and his grand... He and his grandfather just—it's a ninety-second video uh, in the linked tweet uh, from BBC BBC uh, News or BBC World News. Um, it's worth the ninety seconds. Do do watch it. It's it's really inspirational. It is. Yep. Brilliant. I think that 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 is us for the week. Any parish notes? No. Um, no. Really. Uh, there's. Yeah, the special editions, the last special edition out was me talking about Toyota Yaris. What a surprise. But no, it was the the new current uh, Toyota Yaris hybrid. Uh, and that, I think, is worth a listen before that. But couldn't I? I-10? Just trying to remember back now. Yeah, Hyundai I-10, uh, mild hybrid. So so a few, a few like that. We've got another couple of special editions to come, uh, but not this week because stuff yes. uh yeah <laughs> yes mostly uh so so yeah that that's about that for other stuff that we've been we've been doing right at the minute um so yeah don't forget to now and next week you can give us any feedback share your thoughts on the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offers or any of the other ways that you can support us. 
by going to motoringpodcast.com slash support. Please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know more about what other museums you'd happily go to, what's the best way for them to get in touch with oh, you personally? I could, be, I could be really tedious on that. I was meant to go, I, I hoped to go to BMW for the first time and Mercedes again for the first time in the new one this summer but that's not happened uh so yeah if you want to commiserate with me and tell you tell me what i'm missing you can get in touch on twitter where i'm at ajp bradley that's b-r-a-d-l-e-y as i said we'll be back very soon but until then i've been alan bradley i've been andrew clues and safe motoring <laughs>